I'd like to kind of center up on the IOI thing, the idea that there's an awesome. internet of insurance and, and just sort of the play that, uh, not to circle you back to the, to the, to the days of light, not you weren't light bank per se, but like not to the light bank days, but just the, the extreme focus and interest on that group on the insurance tech world and how that all might play out. If that makes sense. Uh, the light bank group. Yeah. I don't mean like light bank group. I don't want to talk about them. It's just yeah. the, the interesting part that like with kin and with clear cover and, and snapsheet, like there's, there's it, all kinds of insurance, like insure tech in Chicago seems to be making a very big noise. It is. There's some really interesting things happening. And I love that you want to talk about the Internet of Insurance because that to me is the most interesting and unique thing. I mean, Deus itself is doing some really cool stuff, but that to me is really interesting. And, and actually, there was a story um, recently uh, in the Wall Street Journal um, where Airbnb is trying to give um, equity to their hosts. Oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. And uh, it actually... It is. It's very cool. So what they're trying to do is is create incentive alignment, right? Create a common goal and get those people invested. And that's exactly the same thing that we're doing here. All right. Well, we'll use that as a jumping off point then uh, for the show. So I'm Scott Katoon. This is Technory Podcast recorded live here at WGN Radio. Uh, the voice that you've heard is the, the voice of Jason Kolb, the CEO of Days. Um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about your company and you and all this kind of stuff. But I just want to kind of set the tone with the show. I mean, in the end, like Chicago... I've, I've harped on this a few times. Chicago has um, found itself and lost itself and found itself and lost itself and tried to be somebody else and finally got kicked in the face. And now I think we finally have found ourselves as a, a confident place that's trying to build a reputation around sort of, you know, I guess if we can't do this, we're watching trials and trials and trials on all over the country and in Chicago right now. So it's hard to stay focused on on the good. But we are trying to build a community that we're proud of in Chicago. And I think that's one of the things that's unique. Um the other thing that I think is unique about Chicago is that you might not know it if you're not from here, but insurance has a huge place in Chicago's all state state farm uh, to say name a few American family in Madison, not too far away. Um, and we've got tech companies galore in the healthcare space. And there, there's a lot going on interrelated in Chicago. And what is happening as a result is there's this like pour out of amazing tech companies that are, that were being born uh, to chase down big data may or may not have found themselves, may or may not have had a big exit to Cisco. The, the, the ultimately, the, the thing that's found is like, that was only a part of a much bigger picture that I think maybe a couple of years ago, we as a community and some, some of the, not you necessarily uh, listening, or you uh, obviously as a, as a guest, um, but didn't see the full picture, the full ability of what Chicago could be from an insure tech kind of platform and fintech and healthcare tech and like how it would all come to play. Right now, we're starting to see it. You see things with like Uptake, not to name drop another company that you're associated with, but like we're starting to see companies like Uptake taking major rounds and becoming really the pinnacle darling of the city right now. And in the end, I think it's all really good, but I think the attention is not being focused on the right thing. And that is that we're seeing founders and repeat founders who are making their bread early on on a process, on a data process, on something that is the, the meat and potatoes, if you will, block and tackling. And then finally having the ability, which has only been something that really has happened in Silicon Valley and a little in New York, uh, to have enough courage, energy left in the tank, and capital resources and knowledge to be able to start the next big thing before the last big thing didn't even finish becoming a big thing um and, and i think honestly i think jason you're kind of a representation of this your whole career is is sort of like that and so i thought you know why not 
sit down and talk to you a little bit more about, you know, your journey to this position, you know, stopping along all these different places that you've stopped. And then let's circle in on, on sort of what you guys are doing at days, which I think is amazing. It's, it's been trademarked. So don't try to steal this. It's the IOI. It's the internet of insurance, which uh, could naturally only be racing through the streets of Chicago, where we've got a ton of insured tech companies, many of which have been on the show uh, or on our stage. So without uh, giving away all the secrets and things that you guys are working on, Jason, why don't we start off with you giving kind of an, a, uh, an elevator pitch, if you will, of Dace, and then uh, we will go from there to kind of backtrack the steps of your journey to this point. Sound good? That sounds great. Excellent. <clears throat> well, um, you know, it, it is interesting uh, kind of looking at the Midwest as a startup ecosystem, and I think what you find What's been really kind of fun to to engage with these companies on insurance, and then you know at uptake obviously with you know industrial um, industrial firms, but there, you have this kind of um, quiet but very solid group of companies who aren't flashy, you know, not like out in the valley where you, you know you drive down the highway and you've got billboards for um, startups, you know, every yeah. single billboard. But you've got this group of companies who've been around for a while. They've got very solid businesses, and they're largely ignored to to a large extent. Um, insurance is one of those, definitely. Um, Illinois, Wisconsin is really heavy in insurance. Um, really, the whole Midwest, for whatever reason, is really has a large concentration of insurance companies. A lot of well-known insurance agencies. I think part of that, not to cut you off, but I think part of that reason is. Um the personality type, which I, I think is one of the reasons Chicago's taken, it's not been slow. If you've been part of the community for a while, I think this is crazy what this community looks like compared to what it did just like five years ago or three for that matter. But um, I think a big part of that is Chicago, even though there's some cocky people we'd like to kick out of Chicago that, you know, whatever, but like we're, we're kind of humble and we're kind of like it quiet. And I'm that one person kind of ruining that for everyone by talking, but <laughs> you know, insurance like healthcare, like a few others, Quite honestly, they, they kind of need you to be kind of financial stuff. Like, be quiet a little bit while we figure this out because it's there, there are stalwarts in the insurance and healthcare business that, quite honestly, you'd rather keep them sleeping for a little while. No, that's that's absolutely true. And what's been really interesting to see is you've got the the top tier in the insurance industry. You've got the really big players. You've got the you know the well known um, household names, the State Farms, the Allstates, you know Chubbs, you know the really big companies. But then you've got this this kind of second tier down who, um, you know, mid sized mutual companies, for example, who haven't really done a whole lot over yeah. the past you know ten fifteen years. And so what they're what they're seeing is they need to up their game. They're watching kind of the big players get all the press get you know reinvest in technology and so they're in a place where they have to put, they have to do something because they see the writing on the wall the industry is changing and if you talk to anybody in this industry they will go on and on about how, just how much waste and inefficiency there is um, you know ballpark and people laugh that this is low there's like 10 to 15 points of waste in every single transaction and it's just because there's people on both sides on the agencies on the carriers who are just kind of shuffling paper around we you, I think you know Sean Harper from Kin I assume mm -hmm. uh, we had Sean on a couple times as you know he's very talkative 
Um, he, he, he's not very talkative, but he's opinionated nonetheless. Um, and he talked a lot about that. I mean, we, we literally on one of the shows, you can check out this show and every other show. Here's my plug. Check out this show and every other show at technory.com or the Spotify or Apple, wherever you get your podcast. But you look up Ken Insurance or Sean Harper on, on technory.com and you'll check this out. He, we walk through the points of differentiation, the points that were like he calls it the buckets that have a hole in the bottom of it. And there's a ton of them. And you guys, I think, solve a lot of that problem. Well, and it's or into. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting to kind of watch these these insurance companies wrap their heads around this. They're looking for opportunities. They're looking for ways to kind of take, they know that they're in a bad place and they really want to leapfrog what's out there. And so they're really open to innovation, which is the really cool part. Yeah. So what Deus has done, we've built an insurance platform and, and that, that word gets thrown around a lot. Um, very few real platforms exist out there, you know, where you've got all these services and capabilities that you can apply in different areas. We started our existence really working with agents, and we still are working very, very heavily with independent insurance agents. Um, one thing that makes us very different from a lot of insurtechs, we're not an agency. We're not trying to delete agents, um, and we work with a lot of them, and they're, they're actually very aligned with us, which is where that Internet of Insurance uh, concept comes in. Um, but so we've built this platform where we've built tools for agents, we've built tools for carriers, and where it gets really exciting and where the where the insurance companies on both sides, the agencies and the carriers, get really interested is in, is the connectivity. The, the technology that's existed for so long is, is really kind of antiquated. We like to call them zombie systems because yeah. they just won't they won't die and they kind of kill you after a while. But what the, what they what they don't allow you to do is have rich digital conversations. So you've got this ecosystem: the, the agents, the carriers, the policyholders. They can't do business together digitally. It's all done over paper. It, and so the real opportunity here is to create connectivity. Um, if you think about what that really means, anytime there's a anytime you're you're able to create connectivity between an ecosystem there's, a, there's this very interesting thing that happens um, there's this law called uh, Metcalfe's law it was kind of coined by one of the inventors of ethernet but, and it's kind of intuitive it says that the value of a network is equal to the number of participants squared so if you have a telephone network yep. and you have two people on it you know it's not very not very valuable not very interesting you have a million people on it all of a sudden it becomes very valuable very interesting and it can change the world same thing happens every time. So the internet, you saw this play out in the internet. Every ecosystem where you start to see connectivity kind of blossom, yep. all of a sudden the value of the connectivity itself just explodes and people can start to, to take advantage of that. So that's been really interesting to watch. And in fact, what we've done, we've taken this concept of incentive alignment. So we've been working a lot with behavioral economists to kind of develop this concept. But we realized that one of the problems in the industry was really this lack of connectivity and lack you know between the supply and demand sides yep. of this and so we created this entity called the internet of insurance that we're working with the agents and carriers and literally giving them ownership in this so that they can profit as this network takes off and this grows. isn't going to turn into a token is it no, no. I just want to make sure. <laughs> just, I don't even, you can do that down the road. I just want to make sure that this show isn't going to turn into a crypto show because I've, I've had, I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> well, and then this is where the blockchain comes in. Like, oh, shit. I mean, funny, you know, it was inspired by that. Yeah. I, I'm actually making jokes. I, I really do. I am a believer and backer of the blockchain. It's just you hear enough. I would say it's not quite ready for prime time yet. You yes. Know? And, and honestly, so this is a great segue um, because you're the person who'd be able to answer this question. Uh, I think... To, to the point of it's not ready for the, the prime time yet, there is not much more prime time than insurance platform. The amount of, for those of you who are unaware of what the process is like and why it is so expensive, the amount of touch points back and forth that take place on that, I mean, 
to go all weirdo crypto on you. I mean, the amount of nodes that would have to be, you know, figured out and, and, and mathematically proven in a short amount of time would be insane. Yeah. It couldn't, it, it literally couldn't support, support it right now. Yeah, I think blockchain is interesting. Um, it, like I said, I, I don't think it's quite ready for prime time. Yeah. I, it was funny. I actually, you know, kind of dusted off my develop. I, I hadn't actually been programming for a few years, and that, the first thing I did in a couple of years was I went and programmed some smart contracts because I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to just get my hands on. I wish it I could do something. Like I could wake up I'm like I'm just going to do some smart contract. It took me a better part of two days. So I don't feel too bad about it. But uh, <laughs> um, what, what's there's some really interesting things there. Um, number one, and this is really where we got, uh, you know, kind of inspired by it. You can put incentive structures on a blockchain, and so it's an interesting way. And, and that's really what kind of got us thinking about that. And now Airbnb is doing something yep. similar. If you saw this uh, last week, I think they they're going to the SEC trying to figure out how to give equity in Airbnb to the owners, to yeah. the hosts. Yeah, yep. right. And it's it's, it's a all great about- idea. I think that's the future of a lot of business. I mean, you've got sh- a shared economy. For it to be a real economy and not right. just freelancers, that needs to be connected. Again, to your point of connectivity is everything. Well, to really drive change, you have to have ownership. You yeah. have to have investment in the outcome, a shared purpose, right? Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting. And then just to, you know, the other interesting thing, interesting thing to me about blockchain is it does create connectivity at a data layer. And I yeah. think that's where some of the really interesting use cases are going to start cropping up. It means that everybody has the same set of data, so it implies a level of connectivity through the data. Um, and I think that's where you'll start to see some interesting projects cropping up. But we're, we're not using that today. Um, yep. We've got a you know, a proof of concept with a blockchain, but it's not ready for prime time yet. It's just the tooling isn't there. So talk a little bit about your background and how you kind of got to this point and, and what, you know, what interests you so much about this space. Sure. Um, well, I'm a geek uh, to the bone. I you wouldn't know it. We've got pictures to prove it. He's a good-looking guy. He's not nerdy. <laughs> comes in here smooth, you know. So don't well, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> uh, well, I started out as a programmer, um, l- literally a nerdy kid. I learned to program from my dad's college textbook when I was 12. Wrote a 3D game programming book when I was 16. I take this back. He's a nerd. I'm Never mind. totally a nerd. <laughs> Um, but it, you know, it served me well. So I, you know, I started, uh, I was, a, I was a developer in the context industry. I got really interested in data. I became an IT executive there and I started my first company. It was an analytics company in the context center space. Um, it was, uh, you know, very successful. We, we ended up selling that to Cisco. I worked for Cisco for a number of years as an architect, um, I had to move out to Boston for that, moved back to Chicago. Uh, and that's where I met um, Brad Keywell. He yep. was uh, in the process of starting Uptake. So I joined. When, when was this ballpark? Oh, this would have been early 2014. 2014, okay. Um, what if I ask what, what drove you back to Chicago from Boston? Because since we are slightly competitive with our east coast people <laughs> well and insurance as well i will yeah. say that's that's the that's the one other area that i will say gives the midwest a run for its money you know most of the big yeah. insurance carriers are kind of out there connecticut new york area yep um but you know the people uh the the you know i love the ecosystem i love the city i've got a lot of family out here you know i grew up here um, and it's hard. It's hard to replicate that i i would agree sorry to interrupt you I just, i'm always curious when i see people who leave and they come back i'm like just curious, why? Why did you do that? <laughs> well, and you can see Chicago, you know, on an upswing. For sure, you really can. Um, and like you were talking about, at the, you know, when we opened the show. It's you can, and and it's so much more you know, cost effective. And you get people who really are bought in. They're not mercenary. Um, you know, people who want to drive change. They're working with companies that are you know right next door or within driving distance. It's a it's a great ecosystem. Um, 
So I uh, I joined Brad. I was the founding CTO of Uptake, and I was there from you know we had two people up to I think it was three fifty to four hundred. But that's really where I had my first exposure to um, insurance. Um, we we were talking to some insurance companies early on. Uh, didn't really do anything with it, but uh, I was really fascinated by the space. It felt so antiquated. You know, a combination of multiple things: very antiquated, very complicated, lots of you know waste and inefficiency, and nobody really doing anything compelling that I could see. And I I know you know what plat you know I've been building platforms for a long time, and I know what what you can do with them. And so it, it felt like a really interesting kind of opportunity. So. Um, you know, after I left and I was exploring, I was, I've been really interested in kind of data my entire career. You know, obviously uptake does a lot with sensor data and, um, you know, before that it was kind of customer contact data, but really interesting uses of data. Um, insurance is just rich with it. Yeah. Uh, There's, there's so much. And, and not only that, but what's really interesting is you can start to connect dots really easily. You can take, and, and we have, we've been working with a lot of startups in the Chicago uh, ecosystem, a lot of data providers, even you know nationally, um, but several startups locally. And what what what's really fun, I think, about this concept of connecting all of these, uh, you know, connecting this ecosystem is you can start to surround policyholders with uh, startups that are going to improve their outcome, provide data, provide better risk exposure information to carriers to agents, and really, the what the industry has been looking for for a long time is. There's really two ways to make money in insurance. You can either grow or you can you can reduce your losses. And what's what's kind of interesting is there's you know this this industry has a lot of money, and it's not shy about trying to improve outcomes for its policyholders. So if you're a business and we can add some sort of a you know a value add through startups, through additional data, through training, the industry is really open to those sorts of things. So what we're doing is we're you know working with this kind of ecosystem of partners to surround you know policyholders, agents, and, and carriers, and really help them match up to improve the outcomes. So if you can put sensors in a um, an assisted living facility that helps prevent slip and falls, not only is it better for the for the policyholder and you know the assisted living facility and the patient. But it makes, you know, the, the insurance company becomes more profitable. The agent becomes more profitable. And if that end policyholder, if the, if the customer, if you can really help them grow, everybody benefits, which is really cool. It's, it's one of the few really, um, you know, straight line value chains where if you can help the person at the end of that line, yeah. if you can help them grow and be safer, everybody up, uh, you know, up the line wins, which is really a lot of fun. So it's, it's very clear to me that you put almost no thought into this. But this company has been just a complete wing. We have a napkin somewhere. Yeah, somewhere there's, there's a napkin that's the size of the, the probably the standard U.S. flag. Um, <laughs> so I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, if you can talk about this at all, it'd be great. The, 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 the departure from uptake in your brain. I don't care about like the actual how you left, but like in your brain, that's got to be the I, I call you like the like not to make light of people who are entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs or whatever. But there's like to me, there's like a scale of the real ones who like it's like an OCD sickness to solve problems. Like the more complicated, the more like problematic, the more annoying, the better. The and then there's like the next level is like I want to get rich and I don't want to work for somebody. And then there's the next level is like I want a, a Tesla and I want popularity and usually we try to keep them outside of the door. Um you are one of those people at the top of this where you are at so you've got an exit. So I mean I I don't know the numbers but I assume that you did all right in your your to make you stick at Cisco for a while I assume they paid you well. I, I was happy. I was going to say so the next line is like if you can walk in and be founding CTO with Brad Keywell, who's 
essentially a billionaire and has like eight public companies in Chicago. That's an exaggeration, but it's not that much of an exaggeration. And walk into uptake, which he is incredibly vocal, unlike Brad, incredibly vocal about what it's doing. The other one's like driven and others have kind of like, was like, yeah, we're doing stuff. This has been everywhere. You get to be founding CTO. This is a company that is no doubt on the uprise. You're talking about 400 employees now or whatever it was when you left. Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to be really hard to be like, I know that there's a problem out there that I want to solve based on what I've learned here. And I'm willing to jump ship and start again with a company that it, uptake is in its infancy still. Yeah. Uh, and with, with a very bright road ahead of it. Yeah, of course. And I'm, I'm sure you still have some sort of connection there or they took care of you or something or you just said F you and left or what. I don't know what happened. I doubt that. But like, you know, that's a that is a entrepreneur's dilemma if there ever was one. Yeah. I mean, there's big decisions in life, right? Sometimes you have that's to one place bets. And, uh, you know, I, I I think uptakes best days are clearly in front of it i've got a lot of friends who work there and i'm you know very optimistic about his future um at the same time you know it it does come down to a personal decision as an entrepreneur you're constantly looking at the opportunities that are out there and and kind of weighing them right um and you know brad's a phenomenal entrepreneur i learned a ton from him um gifted you can't not i mean honestly like having him rip your head off is probably the best thing that ever happened to most people like you know you I mean? can't say that ever happened to me but no uh, but you know you know what i'm saying like i don't mean he's i first off i'm not trying to characterize him as like a bad whatever he's a he's a very unique brilliant man and when he says things sometimes you're like whoa and then in your head you're like let me process this. You're eight steps ahead of me. Okay, hold on, slow down. I go back. And they're like, wow, I learned more from you being upset with me on something than I learned from anyone ever supporting me along the way, which well, is crazy. And, and I think as, as an entrepreneur, what you find, and I think, you know, he'd tell you the same thing. You get this idea in your head, and it's the ones that you can't get rid of that really drive you to go put, you know, bring it into the world. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for, for Brad, that's uptake. Um, for me, that's Deus. Uh, it's you know, it, it's like a kid at some at some. We call level. this founder sickness, <laughs> it, and it's a good thing for some. It, well, it, it it's it's for good, those that know what they're doing. It's good if you try to if you it's good as, if you try as hard as you can to kill it. Yeah, um, and it survives. Um, it's the ones who don't who kind of have put the blinders on where it can really get you into a lot of trouble. Can we talk about the blinders versus knowing how to kill it? Just sure. as a, as a person who's been through this several times, how. How do you, when you take a leap, I'm, you know, you've proven yourself. You don't need to, you know, convince anybody that you should be able to take a leap and make a decision on your own. But I look at it and I go, I believe, like, I hate arrogant founders who, like, won't learn. They won't, like, take coaching. But I also hate founders who take coaching easily. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I want you to have conviction and be like, no, F you. This is my thing, and this is how it's going to work. That said, if you can find a better way, I'm in. And like, you've got to be that. Like, you've got to be that way. I feel like uh, Mark Andreessen has a great term that I love: strong opinions loosely held. Right? You, yes. you have to be decisive. You have to go with the best decision that you know at the moment. But that at the same time, you have to be listening to all of the information that's coming in. I always say my shit always works sometimes. Yes, that's my line. It's actually Will Smith's line, but it's my line too. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, it's it's an interesting journey. I mean, and at some level, 
until you get to a point where you can talk to, I mean, because really when you're starting a business, you, you're, you're solving problems for people and yep. you need to know how valuable those problems are. And so you need, you need to have access to executives, you know, um, insurance executives in this case who can, who you can bounce ideas off of. And honestly, sometimes, some of the time it's, it's a difference in vocabulary. Um, you know, it's, you'll have an idea and in, in my mind, it's, it's one thing, but you, you take it to somebody who's an expert in, in something and they call it com- something completely different. I mean, basic example, you know, just these vocabulary, um, challenges, but within the technology industry, a product is a piece of software, right? In the insurance industry, it's, it's a it's a type of coverage and so if you start talking about products you know it just it totally goes over people's heads they get all confused there's a million and one examples of that part of it's just learning the vocabulary of the industry and, yeah. and having the people that you can connect to who can you have the patience to sit down with you understand you know work through those challenges understand what it is you know your idea is and help you refine that um, and one of the challenges as uh, as a you know younger entrepreneur is getting that access, and you know I think that's where you know the 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 ecosystem in Chicago you know can really add value. So I think I totally agree with you. I think one of the things that you just said is really insightful for anyone listening to this show. And I hate this is like a pro. I hate doing this pro sports analogy because it's like it, it's always like a nurture versus nature thing, and I, it's stupid. Um, but there are some parts of this that are nature, and I, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Uh, the people who come in, like I, I, I'm, I am a literally a walking example of this. I've gotten, and I haven't gotten that far, but I've gotten far enough um, because other people have been willing to say yes and sit down and talk to me and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm willing to give you 20 minutes of my time. And for no reason, they have, there's nothing I can, now I can give them some exposure, but otherwise there was nothing that I could give them. They said yes, because they knew that it was genuine curiosity. It was an actual well-intended meaningful meeting to exchange ideas and figure out a way for me to do something new. And the value to me was a, was, was performance, not money. I don't care about the money. It was about trying to create this thing and, and it'd be cool. And that is the line that will always, not always, some people sneak through, but it always sniffs out the people who are maybe not well-intended or going to turn this into a multi-level marketing scheme. Somehow you can sniff them out because you've been around the block enough times. And so for you, honestly, and this is, me making an assumption knowing very little about you my guess is you get phone you make a phone call and you get to sit down with somebody and have a meeting because not because of your exit to cisco not because of brad keywell but because you've shown over history of your life a constant pattern of wanting to learn and work on something new and i'm not going for your knees all state if it happens it happens but i'm i'm going to solve a problem and i i love your participation in it and that's why you get them and and that i think that's something that is maybe not taught well, it, it, yeah, it, it really isn't. Um, I've actually thought about this a lot. There's a lot of the finer points to, you know, just network interacting with people that I had to learn, you know, just through trial and error. But, you know, even just like you were saying, people want to help. People yep. want to be helpful, especially when they see that you have drive, that you want to do something. And if, you, and if you're open to input, yep. truly open to input. Um, and, you know, but not everybody there's different people, you know, like when you're talking to executives in any company, some people are just kind of gone, you know, they're, they're, on, they're coasting until they retire. Yep. Other people are trying to make a mark Try to avoid those people, by the way, just as an FYI, <laughs> and that's true. They're, no, they're not, they're not going to help. It is no. And they're not going to, they're not going to make any, they're not make moves. them have to do more work before they retire. That's they don't want to exactly learn a new it. system. So like you're out until they're out. 
That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And they're not even that interested in listening to new <laughs> ideas because it's work, yep. right? People that don't want to work aren't going to do anything very interesting. And the funny thing about this is, and this is a little random anecdote, but it's just... I'm rambling on about this because I, I just find your story fascinating because I can, I can, res, I don't know why, but I can just resonate with you immediately. And you would say like, oh, he's nice. He calls and makes like, I'm, I'm a nice guy. I want to like meet with you and learn. It's like little story. Uh, is it uh, Bill, Bill Hewlett, like Hewlett Packard uh, mentored by mistake, essentially Steve Jobs. I don't know if you know this story, but, but Jobs basically went and got a job in the summer with uh, Hewlett Packard to discover a better way to make a computer. Like he literally is trying to, to build something bigger and bill this then ceo and obviously founder co-founder of the company recognized something ingenious in what steve jobs is doing and despite the fact that he doesn't want to try to help build beat his own company he could not help but be drawn to this kind of an assholeish character and help him and guide him and show him ways that did and did not work it, it, it there's there's just something about certain people that manage to get their way into where they need to go because of just curiosity and it that's it i don't know I, it, you know, that's really interesting. I, there, you're right. And there's certain people and they're not easy to find who just have like that drive. And I think a lot of people have it when they're kids and somehow yes. it gets squashed and it's I such get, a it's shame. a crappy education system, but yes. <laughs> For whatever reason. But when you meet those people and they're just, you know, they're hungry and they want to succeed and they want to do well, not like you said, not to get a Tesla, yeah, not, not, for the, not for the flash, but like when they literally, you know, they, they're just, I know what I'm capable of. I want to go do it. You want to help those people. You want to help connect them to people that can help them. And if you pour, if you put them in the wrong direction, they end up smoking pot on Joe Rogan's show. <laughs> like at the end, of, you know what I mean. Like at the end of the day, like we, we like take these people who have incredible drive and, and and creativity to change the world, but we want to force them into a box. We went way off topic here. I'm sorry, but it was just like it's. I find your backstory incredibly fascinating, inspiring, and I think a lot of people who catch this podcast are going to be very lucky for it because you're one of those examples. Of it reminds me a lot of of Chris Gladwin of a young Chris Gladwin where he, he goes through his whole deal and keeps telling investors like someday you'll make money. Not today, but someday. And then finally gets the exit and starts O sheet and does it quietly. And it's like, I got, I found a thing. I got a thing I got to do. I got to do it. Right. And, and I, you know, I, I really respect a lot the entrepreneurs that just go build stuff. I mean, it, you know, so Deus is two years old and we've been primarily in stealth mode. And, you know, even when you go and look up, look us up on the internet, there's not a ton about us out there. Because frankly, we don't need to talk about ourselves, and no. it's not about the, um, you know, it, it's not about, you know, we get tons of referrals, uh, you know, more more referrals than we can possibly handle. Well, I appreciate you taking this one. Well, and you know, so we recently started something that I, that I'd like to talk about yes. uh, called the Internet of Insurance, and this is one of those ideas that you know, again, as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, you're out there testing ideas and, and it's always interesting to see which ones resonate and which ones don't. You have a lot of ideas. I think this one's a good one. I don't know. And so as you go out and talk to people and so this Internet of Insurance um, really started about a year ago. Uh, we saw that market capacity was an issue, just matching supply and demand. Um, and a lot of that's because of the fact that it's so disconnected. Um, but we started floating this idea. Well, what if we, you know, it wasn't really in our core business model, but we saw it as a problem that needs to be solved. And we really want to encourage connectivity. Just get get both agents and carriers to to 
push forward? You know, how do you stimulate that drive? And so we're we're actually spinning this off as a separate entity, and, and it's an interesting exercise and in kind of incentive alignment. I, and my suspicion is, obviously I don't know, but I think you're going to see a lot more of this coming. Like I said, Airbnb is yep. doing this right now. A lot of companies are trying to figure this out. I think it was actually kind of prompted by what's happening with tokens and blockchain. It just kind of sparked this idea, not just in my mind, but lots of democratizing others. the ownership of the assets we use. Yeah, and, and get, getting people, give, giving people um, ownership and upside, and getting them invested in what you're doing. And so, rather than trying to own the you know the entire pie, yep. you know, opening it up to you know, I'm sure, Zuckerberg's recent things haven't necessarily hurt that cause. You get to a point where like. <laughs> You can become billionaire status, and then you like it just gets icky. Yeah, you know, and I don't know why, but it just does. Well, that, that's an interesting topic in and of itself. I mean, I think data privacy is. is well, yeah, that, is, we could do a whole separate show on that. I was just really referring to the could. fact that like you see someone get that wealthy on something that is more or less you. Yeah, and you're like, wait a minute. That's me. And, and I would say that those those types of business models have a shelf life. Um, I, you've kind of seen that over and over, and it doesn't look like it when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, but if it if if too if the if the people that are keeping all the wealth for themselves if that gets too concentrated, eventually that starts to go off the rails in some way. Yeah. You know, we've seen that uh, you know uh, quite a bit, and it's interesting that. You know, Amazon just announced they're raising their minimum wage today. Yeah, still uh, I don't not know. very much, but whatever. I, yeah. I, yeah, well, it's, it's interesting to see if they continue down that road or not. Um, not if they're all machines flying around the factory. <laughs> that, that, you that's, have a point. That's the other side of that. But um, no. So anyway, the, the internet of insurance, or inter- yeah, internet of insurance. Yep. Uh, so what we're doing, we're working with, uh, we've got about 10 carriers and about 15 agencies. And when I say insurance agency, these are not, you know, storefront, strip mall, yep. mom and pop shops. These are, you know, 300 to a million and 300 to a billion in premium, you know, large companies in and of themselves. Um, but they've, you know, they've joined us on on this journey. We've been piloting this over the past six months, um, you know, and it's, it's picking up steam. And what's really interesting to watch is, you know, that, that waste and inefficiency that I talked about as people are kind of experimenting with this and seeing this come out and they're making more money. We've got carriers that are offering agents more money to participate in this. We've got, you know, so everybody's making more money because of the efficiency gains. And so you're really starting to see this materialize. But what was interesting was just really to watch that, uh, the excitement around this. You know, again, I, you never know if these ideas are going to take off. This one has taken on a life of its own. And so we're working with a group of early adopters and opening it up more broadly next year, uh, you know, January, February timeframe. Um, but, you know, so for folks who are in the insurance industry, uh, you know, feel free to reach out. We're also working with a lot of other insure techs who have, you know, kind of niche focused, um, you know, if you're doing claims better than anybody or, you know, billing better than anybody in a certain segment, we have the ability to plug into that. And so it's not just Deus, it's not just these carriers and agents that are participating. This is this is a, an effort to help upgrade the industry together. Well, I'm excited about it. I'm sure uh, all of the folks, the snap sheets and the clear covers, I'm sure they're all excited about it as well. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time with us on this, and I hope you come back maybe in February when this is kind of out and more public on the IOI world. And, um, you know, obviously I think you're going to continue. This is probably like three of like seven companies that you'll have. We'll have this conversation over the next 25 years, uh, I hope. So please, uh, you know, check it out. Check out what you guys are doing. What's the easiest place to, to keep up with what you're doing? Uh, Deus.com or internetofinsurance.org. Boom, there you go. Either one of those. Uh, and you can, of course, 
Catch this episode and more at technori.com. Follow us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever the hell you get your podcasts. You should check us out. Follow us on social at Technori. And you can rant and rave at me at Katoon. Boom, that's a wrap.